Hello and welcome to Spooks. That's Spooks, S-B-O-O-K-S, not S, Books, as my new guest thought it was just a few moments ago. <laughs> <laughs> my new guest is Caroline Armour, headmistress of not, or head teacher of not one but two schools. Dallin Tober Primary School, where I was a very young boy in Campbelltown, and Glen Barr Primary School, which is just a wee bit up the road in Kintyre. Caroline, how are you? Hello, Dental. I'm well, thanks. Good. Thanks very much for, for allowing us to join you today. It's my absolute pleasure. We've had connection problems as usual, but this is the world in which we now live. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have a selection of questions which your pupils have kindly asked and written in about, and the good people of Kintyre, am I right? That's correct. We've got some questions from our primary six and seven pupils and our primary seven teacher. And we also have some from parents. Excellent. So, um, with you, you, let's explain about Dallantober and Glenbar schools. Dallantober is one of the primary schools in the town. There are two now, I think, aren't there? There are. There are two main schools in the town. Yeah, because I went to both. I started off at Dallantober, then I went to Castle Hill which will be a bad word for you. Not at all. All very friendly. Good stuff. I'm glad to hear it. No internecine strife. That's a good thing. Now, and Glenbar is a wee country school, isn't it? It's a rural school, yeah. So there are 311 pupils in Darlington, and there are nine in Glenbar, so it's very different. And so, you know, this. I know that we were speaking earlier, and you said... Uh, that you're preparing to get ready to start again in August. Now, how tell the Spooks listeners how you're going about that. Well, it's a blended model of learning. So um, when we moved to lockdown, we created digital learning classrooms and children receiving their learning through digital platforms. So when we come back in August, because of the school capacity, we have 50% children in. So they will be alternate weeks for the children coming into the building. Obviously, we've got a lot of social distancing measures and things like that to get put in place. And also, they'll continue digital learning as well. That's as it stands today. Um, but who knows, things might change between now and August. And hopefully, things keep improving. Yeah, it's a very difficult time for so many people and, and um, a tragic for many as well. I know Campbelltown's not been, been left without that, which is uh, really <laughs> terrible. Um, and uh, we all just hope that things can, can get back to normal and and the way we'd like them to be. It must be very frustrating for you as a teacher not to be able to teach your children. It's incredibly frustrating not to be able to see the children, um, and it happens so suddenly, and I think particularly, particular mention for our P7 pupils who will be, who would normally be at prize givings and, and leaving parties and things before they head off to secondary. Um, but we cope really well, um, but we'll get them back for this interview at some point together. Well, I, I hope that I hope that happens very soon because it's a, a terrible thing for everybody. Um, but anyway, we sh- without further ado, we shall head on to the questions. Are you ready? We are ready, and we've got some absolute cracking questions for you, Denzel. So I'll get started, and this one is from Robert and Josh. And Robert and Josh would like to know how many books you have written. Um, Robert and Josh, how are you? I've written to date 
Well, been published, uh, there's been nine books published so far. That's eight DCI daily novels and a book of anthologies, um, an anthology of sh- short stories called One Last Dram uh, Before Midnight. So, uh, but I've actually written another book since then, uh, which is a different book. It's, about, it's based and set in Paisley. And I've written a novella about a young Hamish, who's a character from the books, as you maybe know, and that will be published in October. So, how many is that? You're a teacher, I've lost count. Oh, no, don't throw that at me. <laughs> I think it's 11. I think I think altogether, about, I mean, you could say 11, probably. Um, though I've, I've written short stories as well, but, but 11 today. But I'm just about to start on the brand new daily. In fact, t- tomorrow, the day after. So, there we go. Fantastic. That's good to hear. Okay, our next one is from Emily, and Emily's in P7, and she'd like to know, how long does it take you to write a book on average? Is that Emily? Yes. Hi, Emily. Um, How long does it take to write a book? The quickest I've ever written one is three months, which is the one I did earlier this year. I think, like everything else that you do, like when you're doing your times tables or you're doing, you know, practising your essays, the better, you know, the more you practise it, the better you get and the quicker you get at it. And I'm no different. Um, so I can write a, a novel in three to four months. Uh, as I said in the previous question, I'm about to start writing one just shortly and I hope to have it finished by latest at the end of October. So that's the kind of time frame for the full-length novels. We're talking about, you know, 100,000 words. So that's that's the kind of time time frame. Great, thank you. Gabriella has two questions for you, Denzel. She'd like to know when you started writing seriously uh-huh. and also what are your top tips for young people who might be interested in writing? Hi, Gabriella. Um, writing. When did I first start? I had, years and years ago, I had things, when I was still at school, I had some uh, articles published in The Courier uh, so I suppose you, I, I did a, a interview with Angus McVicker, who is a famous Kintyre author um, from Southend, sadly no longer with us. I did that for the school magazine when I was 13. Um, when I did some articles for different magazines uh, to do with the whiskey trade and the trade I was in after that and, and uh, construction and things. I did a lot of copy for... Um, and uh, advertisements and, and all that kind of stuff that you use when you're in a company, promotional material. Uh, and I did some freelance journalism as well for the likes of the Herald and the Scotsman and, and other, other uh, publications. But I didn't write a book until I wrote Whiskey from Small Glasses and that would be back in 2012 I wrote that. Gosh, it doesn't seem that long ago. Um, the, tips for, the tips for young writers. <laughs> Leads us nicely into the next one from Daniel and Gringer, and we'd like to know how do you get your ideas? Is that Daniel and Gregor? Hi, hi, folks. How are you doing? Uh, I was just going to ask that answer that last bit of the question from Gabriella too. Any tips for young writers? Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. I'm jumping ahead. Oh, you're just you're just racing ahead here. <laughs> you're worse than Douglas Skelton, and he's terrible. <laughs> uh, um, tips for young writers would be to listen to your teacher. Um, read as m- oh, yeah, I knew you'd like that. Uh, read as much as you can, and and try and read read a different you know a variety of books. You'll find the books that you most like. But reading, 
is incidentally the most important part of being a writer because the more you read, the better idea of, of the way books are, are put together. You'll you'll understand and learn your craft, learn all your punctuation and your syntax and your grammar and everything t- teachers tell you, and it's the best way. And, and if you're interested in creative writing, uh, start now. It's, not, it's never too late to begin something. So start writing essays or little short stories and show them to your teacher or your friends and see what they say, your mum and dad or whoever, uh, and I'm sure you'll you'll get on well. Um, it's just a case of the more you read, the more you write, the better you get, I think. And the next question is, where do I get my ideas from? Yes. Uh, it's a funny thing, Caroline. I, I, <laughs> I've got a basic idea just now of the book I'm about to start tomorrow or Friday. Um, and that idea is it's just a thread of an idea. So I know where it's going to begin. I've got a rough idea of what's going to happen in the beginning of the book and what I kind of want to happen to various characters. But I've no idea what the end's going to be. Uh, so it's very much a case of me sitting down at the laptop or or um, ever, whatever and making up as I go along. That sounds very unprofessional, doesn't it? Not at all. Because you get these authors that have, that have big whiteboards and they've got yeah. stickers and things. I don't, I don't kind of do that because A, I'm too lazy. <laughs> and B, it doesn't suit, you know, it doesn't suit my kind of style. And, and, and to be fair, other writers do it my way as well, so... And I also I often think that if you plan ahead too much, you lose that sort of element of surprise because you're not surprised by what you're writing, so the reader won't be surprised either, if you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Lose the spontaneous side of it, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm always surprised what I write. When I finished, I think, goodness gracious, how did I manage that? It's it's always a bit of a shock. Daniel and Gregor also asked, what was your favourite book to read when you were younger? Uh, Daniel and Gregor, my favourite book when I was younger. Um, when I was very young, I read a lot of Enid Blyton, which I, I suppose has gone very, very become very unfashionable these days. Uh, but there was one book by Angus McVicker called The Black Wherry. Now, a wherry is a form of a boat. And it's a boat that usually carries cargo, like, you know, a cargo a cargo ship, but very small. And in those days, it would be a sailing ship. It was about smugglers who were smuggling from Southend to, to Ireland, to what's now Northern Ireland. And in those days, this was set way back in the 1700s. In those days, there was a tax on tea, believe it or not. And so it was cheaper for people to smuggle tea over from across from Kintyre over to Ireland and um, that was good for, for all on Sunday, and it made a lot of people a lot of money. So Angus based his book around these smugglers, and I loved the way that he'd, he'd written it because he used all the local landmarks, and I knew the house where the smuggler's house was. It was up in the hill just above Dunaverty Beach, and I used to go there every Sunday with my mum and dad, and, and I used to see all the places that Angus had written about. And that rapidly became my, my favourite book when I was a wee boy, and in and, and one of my books... Uh, the Ratstone Serenade, I call the pub in, or the hotel in Blan, um, which is Southend's old name, I call it, I call it Blan in my books, uh, and I call it the Black Quarry Hotel as a wee tribute to Angus there. That's lovely. 
a little secret there from you. Thank you. Um, Ivana and Lolita would like to know, and I guess it's quite similar, but it, maybe not because ideas and inspiration are maybe slightly similar but also different. So Ivana and Lolita would like to know where do you get your inspiration from? Inspiration. Um, inspiration comes from a whole lot of sources. Uh, in the last book, for instance, which is very adult themes, um, which you know, you'll know you not be reading for a long time, I don't think, but uh, they come from things I've read, things I've seen on the internet, things I've seen in television. Um, this one was to do with, with again, um, smuggling. There was a, a situation way back in, in America in the 1920s where alcohol, as in beer and whiskey and wine, was prohibited from sale. You couldn't buy it or sell it in America. Uh, and so what happened was um, criminals used to smuggle it into to the United States and make it there in illegal distilleries and things. And the book was partly based on that and partly based on another another thing. Uh, the ideas just come to you from, from sort of nowhere, really. Uh, and I've got a wee notebook that I write down things that I've seen that were interesting or happened or I've noted it, uh, and things you watch the news... You can get ideas from that. There's a whole host of things you get you get inspiration from. And it's just a case of then sticking what you've heard about um, or placing it into the alongside the characters in your books who all of by this time now their own I mean this will be the ninth novel. They all have their own identities. So you 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 meld a story around the characters that you already have, the setting, which is Kintyre, of course, and the 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 the, the idea that you've had. Great, thank you. Finley is next. He'd like to know, now be careful how you answer this one, considering you're talking to me. He'd like to know, did you enjoy writing in school? <clears throat> yes, I very much did, actually. Um, I had uh, two, mm, two teachers that stood out in primary school were Mrs Henderson in primary four and Mrs McIntyre in primary six. And those are two teachers that I had who really encouraged my writing and I'll never forget them for it because without them I probably wouldn't have, have written much, you know, or anything at all and been published and entered this very strange world that I now inhabit. Uh, so, yeah, they, these were two teachers I remember and and there was, I think everyone was really encouraging, especially my primary teachers. I think when you get to secondary school, things are a, a bit more exam-based. I don't know what it's like now. Remember, I went to school a long, long time ago. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm very old now, sadly. Uh, and things will have changed a great deal. But when I was at school, you know, secondary school especially was based around exams. And, you know, that there was a kind of absence of creativity, I felt, at that stage in secondary school. And it wasn't encouraged. Uh, but that's that's another story. But in primary school, Mrs. Henderson and Mrs. McIntyre were absolutely fabulous, and they did a really good job encouraging us all. And I'm sure everybody I went to school with uh, will remember them fondly. Thank you, Colin. Would like to know if you could turn back and look at yourself when you first started writing. If there was anything you could tell yourself or change, what would it be? About myself, or change just a bit everything about myself. About the writing, I, I read Whiskey from Small Glasses was my first book, 
and I have caused because the books get published at di in different parts of the wor world at different times. I find myself talking about the earlier books. Um, for instance, the the, the books are published in Germany. Are way, they're way behind what we have in in the UK. Uh, so I'm I look back at this kind of thing. Oh, I change that and I change this and I change the next thing. But ultimately, you know, you can't you can't change them, and you just have to kind of go with with what you what you wrote. It harks back to an earlier question that we had um, about about uh, the writing process and things. And, you know, I think if anybody goes back and looks at what they did 10 years ago or eight years ago, whatever it is now, they would say, oh, I wish I'd done that differently. But when it's out there in print, you can't change it. So you kind of have to accept it. Uh, and even though you wouldn't have written, and I wouldn't have written it the way I'd, I do now, but it was all part of the process. So it got me to where I am. So I have to just grin and bear it. Not that it's a bad book, and I recommend it to you all when you're older. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to Cookies Around Campbelltown and Kintyre now, and I would like to know a bit about the idea of Kinloch and the name. Kinloch, of course, well, um, Campbelltown's old name is Kinloch Kilcarran, or the Gaelic version of that. And Kinloch really means something like town at the head of the loch or settlement at the head of the loch. And Kilcarran was the, the, the local saint, as in Kilcarran Road and these places. Uh, and I didn't want to write it about... It's easy to base a book, or easier to base a book in a big city like Edinburgh or Glasgow or London because people are more anonymous. Um, but when you come... If I'd called the place Campbelltown in my books... Uh, it would have been harder to try and find a way, you know, you would have had to think very hard not to make it like somebody, if you know what I mean. Okay. And so my job was to try and create that wee kind of gap between reality and fiction. Uh, and so what I did was I thought, well, I'll call it Kinloch. And even though most people know in Campbelltown can recognise the descriptions of the area, the streets, the, the, the countryside, whatever... It's never exactly the same as it is in real life. For instance, I moved Corrie Vrecken, Whirlpool, um, about 20 miles south uh, or 10 miles south, whatever it was. So you can do those kind of things in a, in a fictional setting that you couldn't do if you, if you had them in a, in a, in a real factual yeah. setting. Uh, so, but, but even though that Mike and Locke is very much based in Campbelltown, it's not Campbelltown, um, and and the things that happen in my books thankfully don't happen. <laughs> happen in Kintyre. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Neva, Eva would like to know um, what made you decide to make a detective series set in Kinloch. That's a very good question, Eva. Uh, what what I was originally going to write a, an historical novel, and. I sat down, I'd been ill, and so I wasn't I wasn't very well, and I, I was so bored not doing anything. It reminds me a wee bit of this kind of time, because I was stuck in bed for long periods of, of time, and, and I was in quite a lot of pain with arthritis. And uh, I thought, right, well, I'm going to take the time, and I'm going to write a book. And I thought, right, historical. I love historical writing, so I'll write an historical novel, and that'll be just great. And then I thought, well, to do an historical novel justice, you've got to do a lot of research into what that period was like, 
the way people spoke, the way they dressed, what they ate, what this you know the shops were, what the houses were like. And I thought to myself, being lazy, as I said earlier, that's a lot of work to do before you even start writing a book. So, <laughs> well, you can understand that, Caroline, can't you? I mean, you know. Uh, so what I did was I thought about this and I thought, well, what do I know about? Well, I knew about Kintyre because I lived there for so long and I knew about the police a bit because I'd been in the, the police way back in the 80s, which must sound um, a very long time ago to, to your pupils. Uh so I decided to combine the two. Crime fiction sells really well, so I deny in that as well. And I wrote, I made them crime novels. And um, while I have no regrets whatsoever because this, they've exceeded my expectations by by such an extent, I sometimes I, I will, and I've included some historical writing in the daily books. Uh, we have flashbacks to earlier times. So one day I will write a, an historical novel the way I wanted to in the first place. Okay. Um, Caden, Caden would like to know when you last visited Campbelltown mm-hmm. and what connection do you still keep with the town? Is that Kieran? Caden. Oh, hi there. Um, well, uh, what, when was the last time? Oh, wait, no, I can't remember. It was last summer, too. It was the launch of the new, the book before last, which was A Breath in Dying Embers. And we had a launch event in Campbelltown and one in Southend. So that was last July, I think. Uh, and what connections I keep to the town? Well, I've still got a lot of friends in, in Campbellton who I keep in contact with um, via social media and phone calls, the old-fashioned way and all, all sorts. And, and Campbelltown is always going to be my, my home. Um, my mum and dad are sadly no longer with us. Uh, but I've, you know, my, my granny was from Macrihanish, so I've still got lots of relatives in Campbelltown. Uh, um, so I go down as often as I can. And in fact, I, I hope to buy a wee kind of vault hole somewhere soon down in Kintyre so I can visit more often. It's one of the things I regret a wee bit that I have not been able to go down as much as I'd like to have done. But uh, once you start travelling about the whole country, which is normally the case, this is very unusual for me to be stuck in the one as it is for everybody. Uh, but normally when a book comes out, I'd be touring all over the, the country and abroad. Um, and I'm supposed to be in New York at the moment uh, doing various things. So it's just fitting it in. But I'd love to spend more time in Kintyre and I intend to. That would be nice. We have another Emily now. Emily wants to know where the characters or are the characters in your book based on people you knew, knew or know. Are the characters based on people I knew or know? Um, I think, Emily, that you do have the situation whereby if you ever start writing yourself, you'll see that you you draw on your own experiences. So you'll meet people and you'll have experiences at your work or school or in your life with your family and you'll use them as part of your in your in your books. And it's the same with characters. I mean, Hamish in the books is an amalgamation of maybe three or four people that I knew. Um, one of them, an old, old friend of mine, again, no longer with us, called Ronald Watson, who was a, a, a really a lovely man and very much missed. And he plays a large part of the Hamish character. There's also a gentleman called John Martin over in Gia, who Hamish owes the odd wee habit or two to. Uh, do you know John? 
John sits John sits with his pipe in the wee hotel and gear and sucks it without you know because you can't smoke in pubs anymore, and he sits and sucks his un- unlit pipe and that's where I get the idea for Hamish doing that too, so you come across these wee things but nobody in the books is there's one person, I used, um, as themselves and it was as a wee tribute to him because he was such a good friend of mine and he was very good to me and that was Raymond Dow. And I made him the landlord of the Island Bar in Kinloch in the first book. Uh, so Raymond and Margaret Dow still live in the town, um, and that was a wee tribute to him. But uh, normally, the characters are people. You know, there'll be there'll be wee aspects of folk that you know or people you've met, but but less than people think. Okay. And um, Michael has some interesting questions. He'd like to know where you lived in Campbelltown. Have you been up Bengalian? <laughs> and what do you like to do in your spare time? Where did I live in Campbelltown? When I, well, I lived in a few places in Campbelltown, but when I was a boy, we lived in what's called the Steel Hooses. Now, I don't know if you still call them the Steel Hooses, do you? I think they probably are still known as that. <laughs> The steel houses in, in Meadows and or, or Crossley, whatever it was called, and um, we lived in in Timmer Road at first when I was a, wee, a very small boy, and then we moved to Crossley Avenue, and then we finished off in Meadows Avenue, and that's where I kind of lived then in those in those far off days, and it was a great childhood. And fun enough, I'm writing a wee bit for Freddie Gillis. Freddie Gillis is doing a book about Campbelltown through the decades, and it's people who remember. You know, people who are still alive remembering what it was like in certain the fifties and the forties and the thirties and the seventies. I'm doing the seventies and eight. I think I'm doing the seventies. Am I? Yes. Sadly. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll go on about all these places then. Uh, but but yeah, that's where we lived um, back 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 in those days, and it was a it was a great place to grow up. As it's uh, no doubt it still is, Caroline. It certainly is. Yes. And what was the second part of that question? Um, he wondered if you'd been up Bengalian. Oh, right. And that's what you like to do in your spare time. Well, I haven't been up in recently. I think the last time I was up in Gillian was 2003. Um, yeah, it would be 2003, I'm quite sure. Um, that was the last time I was up in Gillian. Um, and I had been up quite a few times before that when I was a kid. Uh, but when you become a teenager and a, a young adult, you tend not to... Well, I didn't spend so much time climbing Gullion and other pursuits. But um, what do I like to do in my spare time? Uh, I've just bought a new guitar, uh, which I which I use. Um, I'm, I'm trying to record, in, during lockdown, a wee album. Did you know that, Caroline? No. There you, you are. told me that. Yeah, there you see, now you know that. You never now. asked me to sing on it, either. Well, it's just, it's just a wee project of... of I'm going to record a wee, a wee album if I can and see how it does. There's no rush. I mean, it's just a hobby. I don't expect to be number one in the hit parade. Is that still a thing? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe iTunes. <laughs> I, iTunes, yes. Okay. Um, right, I've got that. Uh, no, so it's just from one of you. I might, I might put out some songs if they're good enough, but we'll see. So I like to do that. I like to... Um, I read a lot. You won't be surprised to learn. Um, I like a lot of, I love Netflix and Amazon Prime and things like that. And, and, you know, I watch a lot of films and really good streaming series. I like sport, I love cricket, football. I think I'll be, off, I'll be backing off the ball soon, which is the radio programme on in the on a Saturday. So all these kind of things. But I like to go travel, I like to go on holiday. I like to, 
as we, as everybody else does, and of course we can't do that at the moment. So um, it's lucky we've got the radio and the TV and books and all that to keep us keep us going, isn't it? It certainly is. We're all missing these things. Oh, aye. Louisa would like to know, what was the hardest or most difficult book to write for you? <clears throat> and is there anything in your books you'd like to have seen come true? Um, well, the, the first one is easier than the second one. Uh, the hardest book to write was the second book because when you've had a quite successful first book, it's always hard to replicate it in the second book because there's a danger of people saying, well, oh, you know, I liked this first book, but I didn't like the second book. Uh, as inev- inevitably happens with all kinds of art, whether it be music or, you know, all sorts of things. Um, so I found that more difficult to write. Plus I changed up to a bigger publisher and the pressure was on. Um, but thankfully that worked out quite well. Uh, and I don't, I don't find it difficult to write, but I'm, I'm, in the beginning you're quite nervous about it because, you know, you're trying to move on and trying to, to make a reputation for yourself and trying to write as good a book as you can. And while I still do that, I'm not, I'm not nervous about it the way I was in the beginning. I'm not, I don't, I don't worry about it so much. Um, and does that come, come true? Um, I'll move, I'll change that question a wee bit and say what I would like to come true is for, and I speak to a lot of people online and elsewhere who tell me that the books, they've read the books and they love to visit Campbelltown and a lot of people have visited Campbelltown and Kintyre on the back of reading them. So I would love for people to do that and there may be things down the road in the pipeline which will make that more of a thing. So if that could come true, I would really be happy because I know that um, the area has suffered a lot of unemployment with the with the creamery closing down and and jobs being lost out at the wind tower factory and elsewhere. I mean, I know it's it's been difficult, hasn't it, Caroline? Yeah, it has. It's, it's had quite an impact. So, um, yeah, I think it's fantastic that, that Campbelltown and McIntyre are, are being visited with so many people on, on the back of the novels. Well, I'm really pleased to see the the way that you've all handled the 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 lockdown and and proud um, the way the resilience group has worked and all the rest of it. And I look at it, and, and, and there's a tear in my eye sometimes at some of the stories that I hear. And but it doesn't. It never surprised me that 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 would happen in Campbelltown because, you know, it's such a, a lovely community, and in Kintyre in general, Kintyre is such a wonderful place to live. Whether you're in Glenbar or Southend or McMahonish, or any of these places, um, you know, I miss it a great deal. And I was, you know, I think they've done a wonderful job of of pulling together during this terrible, terrible time. Uh, and it, it gives me a great deal of pride to see my, my wee my wee tune doing that. I couldn't have put it back to myself, Dingo. It's, it's certainly very pride for all of us and, and all the children coping so well as well. Yes. We've got a couple more questions now. There's lots from Mrs Ronald, Primary 7, and some of our parents. So we'll just round off with those, if that's okay. Yes, I no problem. They'd like to know, do you have a favourite beauty spot in the area? Do I have a, a favourite, sorry? A beauty spot, tourist spot oh, that you like to visit. Is this in Downing Kintyre? Yeah. Oh, oh no. I'm a, I'm a great fan of Southend. Um, I love I love Southend and I would go, you know, we were down there last year and every time I could, I had a photo shoot taken, believe it or not, for the for publicity for the newspapers and things. And they asked me, where would you like your photograph taken? And, and I said, well, 
and if we could make it down and down at South End, that'd be great. And so they took photographs at South End, and they've used a couple of those in newspapers and various other things, magazines, uh, over the last wee while, and that's been really nice to see. I like Macri Harish as well. I like Campbell. I mean, there's not a place in Kintyre that I, I don't really like, and I like to visit them all. But usually, when I'm when I'm down, it's always a case of rush, 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 and you're going from pillar to post. So that's why we'd like to to stay a bit longer and have a, a wee house we can go and visit for, and I can tour about and and look at the scenery. I mean, there's, can you name a place that's not nice in Campbell or, or Kintyre? Because I can't. No, no, I can't, no. Kate, Mrs Ronald would like to know, and you've hinted at this already, do you hide any secrets in your book that will be a small recognise? <clears throat> secret messages in there. It's like the Beatles albums. Yeah. There's hidden messages all over the place. I suppose I suppose there are hidden hidden jokes and references that only a small amount of people would would get. Um some of the characters I mean there's the famous one and I didn't think this up, it was I can credit John Galbraith from Polly Will and Farm for this. <laughs> who, who, well you'll like you like getting a credit. Well, you know John from Polly Well and Farm, don't you? He always likes a credit. Uh, and he says, "Why do I've got a great name for the for the bakers in Kinloch. And as a wee tribute to them, and because I used to work there when I was a student, I called the bakers, bakers Michael Cares. Now, no, nobody in the, in the rest of the world will know, think anything of that. But in Campbellton, folk will know that, you know, why, why I've called it that. Um, and there's also a tribute to an old neighbour of mine um, uh, who was a butcher, um, Alistair Stewart, who's again sadly no longer with us. But when I, when I refer to Alistair the butcher, that's that's him. So there's all these wee things that you put in and, and we wee nods to something. You know, I've mentioned Springbank, I mentioned Glen Scotia, uh, I mentioned the places that, you know, the... the like the Douglas Arms, for instance. The Douglas Arms in, in my books is really the commercial, which used to be owned by a man called Douglas before it became, you know, and the county of Tell, as you know, is the Argyle Arms, which is Argyle's the county, so there's not much of a... So these are things that, that people in the area will will know about um, if they read the books and get, whereas nobody else um, will will understand them. Um, but that, that aside, I don't, I don't really have any... Any kind of we hit. There's nothing of of substance there. There's no real. I've I'm not. You know, if you you take the first letters from the fourth fourth chapter of each book, it doesn't spell out a great <laughs> secret message. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that's part of the joy for for people from the town or just to the town. We didn't the next um, dental that they they make the connections and think. Well, I'm wondering if that is that part of the extent that's and I think. That brings enjoyment for us when you're reading them. Okay, I mean, I think it's nice for for folk to to say, well, that's so and so, and that's that could be me, or that could be somebody else, and and and, and you know, they're probably not far away because I, I, subconsciously you do things as well, Caroline, that you maybe don't realise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, in whiskey from small glasses, for instance, I used the harbour. I described the harbour master. Now, subconsciously. Um, I described him as the harbour master, Mr. McDonald, that I I knew when I was growing up 
and indeed Duncan, his son, was in my my class at school, and it was completely unintentional, and it was only pointed out to me when somebody said, "That's awful little that that Harbour Master's awful awful little Willie McDonald," you know, and I'm thinking, "Oh no, oh dear goodness!" But it was just absolutely subconsciously. So, I mean, there will be times when that that can happen, um, and again, it's just completely by chance, you know. Yeah. From Mrs. Ronald, and I think it's one that a lot of people are, are, um, would also be asking. Angel. She thinks that the detective books would translate into a gripping TV drama. <laughs> Is there any chance, or would you like to see that happen? And if so, if you could choose an actor to play DC Daily and DS Scott, who would you choose? Or DI Scott, as he now is. Spoiler alert for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a different one for me to answer at the moment. Um, yes, like everybody else, I'd love to see a, a TV drama uh, of some description um, made. Um, and I'd like it to be made properly. And one of the stipulations that I have is that if it's going to be made, it's made in Kintyre. At least the external scenes are, are filmed in Kintyre. Um, there are there is movement on that front, uh, so I really I can't I can't say a lot about it at the moment. Although I'd like to say more, but I'm I'm forbidden to do so by very various contractual agreements. But just, I think it's fair to say that there there is quite quite um, strong discussions as to to. A, 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 a television series set set in in Kintyre, and um, as you know, with these things, of course, we'd have we've had COVID nineteen intervene. Um, you know, there's lots of things. You know, it's a very difficult TV and film are are strange things to get going, and it can be it can be take a long time. But uh, I would very much hope that uh, what we're doing will come to fruition very soon. How diplomatic was that? I think you answered that very, very well. And um, the two Johns, the leading star men, no? <laughs> the leading star men. I mean, it's a case of, again, <laughs> again, I can't say I much John about John Armour and Jungle Base would love to do that. <laughs> well, I think John Armour and Jungle Base would be the perfect combination. <laughs> and if they could carry, I mean, I know Big John could carry it off because he's got the acting experience. But then again, John Glebrace, a very ebullient figure, and I'm quite sure he'd be, he'd manage very, very well in the role of D.I. Scott. So, I, I yes, I, th- I think they could be able understudies. <laughs> <laughs> again, very diplomatic. Yes, I've done the best that I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I've said, Denzel. Thank you so much. Thank you, Caroline. It's been an absolute pleasure doing it. I mean, I... I I know that you're all in such a difficult position at the moment, um, but there's not many better places in the world to be in quarantine or isolation than Kintyre. Um, and, you know, I've seen so much. The pe- People keep putting pictures up on Facebook and Twitter and things of, of various Kintyre scenes, and I get more and more homesick by the day. It's the strangest thing. Uh, so... Um, I, th- I'm th- I think of everybody down there a lot, and and I'd love to, I'd love to be home. I mean, I, I still call it home, even though I've not lived in Campbellton for, for nearly fourteen years now. Uh, but it's still, it's still, I still refer to it as home, and and it'll always be that way. And it's been a, a pleasure talking to you, and I just hope you get back to, to what you should be doing very soon. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much. 
thank you and, and likewise it's always lovely to talk to you Denzel so again thanks for taking the time to, to answer our question today. That's my pleasure. That was Spooks. It's a Houses of Steel production and we will see you again soon.